0: Welcome to the Sons of Liberty podcast, coming to you from the Liberty Tree Studio in San Antonio, Texas, where we discuss topics of the day, firearms, great food, and even better whiskey. Grab a drink,
1: sit down with your host, the founding daddies, Mike Mahalski and Kyle Grothuse. Howdy guys, welcome to the SOLGW podcast. My name is Kyle Grothuse, one of the uh, co-owners We got our Patrick Soto here, one of our armors, took a break from building guns to hang out with us today.
2: How you guys doing?
1: And we've got our illustrious guest, Justin Melnick from the show SEAL Team, also known as Brock Reynolds.
2: Thanks for having me today.
1: And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of badass stuff, so let's get going. Dude, we had a lot of fun hanging out yesterday at, uh, I don't know how much we can talk about what we did yesterday, but we did a lot of really fun shit. Yeah, we
2: got to go out with... uh a law enforcement unit and kind of introduce them to the world of VBSS and getting up on the sides of ships, but the ship we got was really, really big, so those guys crushed it.
1: That was a big-ass ship, man. I saw them climbing up the side like, a, like Batman stuff, man, magnets and ropes and all sorts of crazy stuff. Listen,
2: I'm not saying I'm Batman, but I don't think you've ever seen me and Batman in the same room together.
1: It's very true. Actually, watch a lot of shit. Made me think Batman's bullshit. is <laughs> watching like that shit would never fit on his fucking belt. <laughs> listen, if
2: Batman knew the guys that I know that actually make this shit, his gear would be even better. Um, so you're saying I, you have your own Mr. Fox? No, th- listen. Th- there are some amazing Americans out there that have devoted their life to creating equipment for our special operations guys, and uh, and they've put in a lot of work to get to that level. A lot of resources financially and personally to uh to develop equipment out there to give our guys the cutting edge and it's really cool getting to see law enforcement get access to that right now because um in the end of the day the mission set you know whether it's domestic or foreign is still the same and these guys also have kids Mm -hmm. families and anything we can ever do to stack the odds in their favor coming home from a mission whether it be overseas or domestically is you know it, it's it's really crudle. crucial, Crucial. Crucial. Crudel. I don't even know what crudel is. You know what crudel means? I
1: don't. Cool. We're no. gonna find out.
2: If not, Dare I'm gonna Google. be like Shakespeare right now and make up a fucking word. So we gotta come crudel. Gotta come up with a good definition for crudel.
1: It'll be a good scrabble word. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna Google it, we're gonna put it on the screen. It's gonna be a word now. So tell me about this. so you helped develop the, the I don't know how much you can talk about like it on the show but those magnet paddles like you help develop that stuff right sort of so
2: I'm not that smart uh, there certain companies will come to me with equipment and I'll get my hands on it and I'll spend time using it and then I'll give feedback and develop uh, some changes so on the magnets you know I developed the whole trigger release system on the two inner triggers to make it quieter and easier to remove and play silently so you don't hear thunk 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 but you know it's like it, it's it's me coming up with an idea and sitting with someone that's way smarter than me and having them draw it out make a prototype does this work yes or no maybe if we did this change the angle by 10 degrees kind of thing uh and then they facilitate it and and at the end of the day we have an awesome product do you the, the, guys get to use that stuff on your show sometimes you, you you know the the way i treat the show is Even though it's fake in television, I treat Bravo Team as a real asset. So um, in Hollywood, it's really hard because we have about 14 days to prep for an episode. So I mean, lead times on the level of equipment we're using isn't off the shelf. Lead times are usually 30 to 90 days for a piece of product if you can even commercially buy it, right? A lot of the stuff we use on the show, you can't even commercially buy or like, you know, the plate carrier that Jason Hayes was wearing for the last two years, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, you know, we, that was developed for NSW as their contract best, but we had it a year and a half before the SEAL teams got issued it, you know, and, you know, I'll give feedback and stuff like that and try and make it a better product Mm -hmm. or help with however I can, you know, I'm, I can see, I can see that, you know, especially you you guys are in, you know, on the show, you know, or on set
0: for hours on end. Yeah.
2: I mean, sometimes you have to wear hours on end. I mean, we beat the shit out of our gear. In mm-hmm. the end of the day, uh, we're in it for 60, 60, 80 hours a week. Oh yeah, there's definitely you know, feedback. Um, 12 hours a day, you know, five days a week. Like, do the math, I'm not that smart. Um, you know, we beat it up. We, it's, it's all fake, it's acting, but the elements are real, the terrain is real. You know, our loads are slightly lighter because we don't have real plates and we're not carrying ammo in our mags, but they're still blank fire. They're still explosive breaching. They're mm-hmm. still pyrotechnics. Um, you know, we we beat it up
1: and, you know. You're it, talking about having guys uh, use your stuff and give you real feedback. That's something we really like to do because, man, there's stuff that, like climbing up the side of the ship, you mm-hmm. would think about, like we had guys, that's why we developed our narrow latch charging in on the small one. Cause we had guys climbing up and, and repelling and doing stuff like that. And they're like, man, it's just, we, we gotta have a small one because it snags on stuff. Yeah. And, uh, having that, that real operational feedback is huge for whether it be gun companies or guys that make climbing gear or anything like that, because, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not out there doing that stuff, you know, which I've gone to class, I've done training, but I don't, I don't do it for a living, you know, or even yeah. a fake, you know, even acting. And uh, it it really does help a lot. It helps us refine our product, and I think that's something a lot of a lot of companies don't do. You know, they're not out there we're getting feedback
0: to the end user.
1: Yeah, we're listening to the end user. You know, end user support and really listening and understanding what what you need in the field. You know, versus a laboratory or the flat range.
2: Listen, you know, as a part time cop and you know a fake Navy SEAL, like I have no operational experience on anything, but. Getting to be around brilliant minds like yourself and the other people in the industry that I've grown up with and learned from, you know, the 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 number one lesson I've learned is talk to the end user, figure out what the end user needs, because that's the only way to ever drive product development on this yeah. stuff. And in the end of the day, it's not about you. Know, you need money to keep the lights on and to pay the employees, but in the end of the day, this stuff is greater than money. You know, the products, whether it be your rifles or the body armor systems, or the helmets, or the night vision, or the lasers. Like, it's, it's a product that, that helps the end user get home to their wife and kids, or their husband and kids, um, or their dogs. Um, in, in the end of the day, you know, it's like, I, I don't know anybody that's gotten into the defense industry to get rich. Everybody gets into it because they're passionate about it. You know, uh, the fact that there are so many people that are willing to sign up for a job that it's fun as fuck, I bet. But you know, it's serious. You know, yeah. it's not it's not fake believe on TV. Like their jobs that they go off to, that there's not hundred percent certainty they're coming home, and and them willing to risk it for for their principles and and for the fact that like we can go sit in a restaurant and not worry about some dude screaming Allah Akbar and clacking off a suicide vest. You know, domestically here at home that op tempo that we've seen over the past 20 years, you know, that's because we kept the fight over there. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't happening, we'd be having suicide bombers going off in all of our major cities. But, um, and it might start now with the, the pull out everywhere. Who knows? I, I, I pray to God it doesn't, but you know, it's like every, back to the original point, like everyone I know in the defense industry has gotten into it for the end user. And, and, yeah. and that's what's so beautiful about this
1: industry. I know for me and Mike, it's hard because you know we've had uh you know we'll do we'll do TMEs. We'll have you know the like police department or you know government agency really want our guns, they love them. You know it's the best thing they've ever had. But you know the department the budget can't handle it, and they'll end up go buying. We'll mention names, but they'll buy another brand that's just not you know in our opinion up to snuff for duty use. I mean you know, it might be it might be fine. Yeah, for but you can't think right. like that. All you have to think about is that your product is here and awesome, and
2: it's available for them when they're ready for it. And you know, just keep out there making great, reliable products and it will catch on. Yeah, you with know, us
0: as being an armor, you know, building the end product for the user, i.e., you know, contracts for agencies or the, the dad who's taking care of his family. You know, we, we try to pride ourselves on that. Yeah. We want to make sure that dad goes home or dad you know protects the family and the agency guys go home every night, you know? We, uh,
2: we pride ourselves on that. Well, you guys make a phenomenal product. I wouldn't be here if you didn't. Um, I really respect your company, what it does, what it stands for, and ultimately what you put out. Mm -hmm. So thanks for having me. I
1: appreciate that. We all put out. By
2: the way, this (laughs) podcast is brought to you by Sons of Liberty Gunworks. Wait, give me that voice. Give give me the cool voice. Not not
1: this This voice. I want the cool voice. Do I have the cool voice? Hang on one second. By the way. No, the other voice.
0: By the way, this podcast is brought to you by High Point, America's most unreliable firearms.
1: And apparently, C4 Energy. (laughs) I told you I'd be funnier with caffeine, didn't I? If only they were paying us. If anybody out there from C4 is listening, we're open. Fuck them. Pay me.
2: And free energy because I'm exhausted all the time, man. I've talked about burning the candles at both ends. It's been nonstop.
1: Yeah, I thought thought we were all going to fall. I definitely thought you guys were going to fall asleep during dinner last night because y'all were. We were ready to
2: fall asleep. Meat sweats or just from the day? No, from days of 100 degree weather, 140% humidity, and just climbing. Like what we're doing is dangerous shit, man. You know, you're 40, 50 feet off off the water. Like you're not going to die if you hit the water, but. It's a sudden impact. That you. A, you know, you, you can get hurt, and everyone's learning new stuff, playing with new equipment. It's high speed, yeah. um, and you know, trying to mitigate
1: all of that is it's full on. Yeah, but, dude, y'all doing some hardcore stuff yesterday. And it was we're on that base in a giant metal box. There's a lot of shit up there, so you get the radiant heat from the metal box, the ambient heat, and you know, yeah. everything else going against
2: you. Why don't you pull up my uh, social media feed quickly and go to the last reel I put up there? Justin Melnick.
0: Justin Bieber. Close.
2: Yeah, I got a bigger dick than him. I'm just kidding. I don't know. (laughs) I've never seen his dick. (laughs) Do not put that on the fucking podcast. Anything that like comes up on the podcast that I don't want to be put up there, I'll like instantaneously talk about a Sons of Liberty weapons malfunction. (laughs) We have to cut it out. Uh, Yeah, that that one. Yep.
0: Oh, I saw that actually, yeah. I just saw it the other day.
2: I just posted it yesterday. Yeah. He's stalking you.
0: Oh, no, we, uh, yeah, then some of our guys shared it too. Dude,
1: I got tired just watching that yesterday.
2: Shot on an iPhone. This podcast is brought to you by Apple. <laughs> China now knows all of our techniques and tactics.
1: And procedures. that's because Mike's not here. He can't you can't use an iPhone. He's, he's using uh, his Android.
2: Oh, it's the best radio in the entire world. Oh, my God. It meshes to my dog camera system. It's just awesome.
1: Talking to the International Space Station on that thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, literally. Um, okay, perfect. So, yeah, that's that's kind I'm of a visual for that. your viewers of what we... Yeah, caving ladder there. Yeah, it's a pretty awesome caving ladder.
0: Is that a newer one?
2: Yep, it's uh, it's super light. It's one-man launchable.
0: Okay. So and then p- I see that it has the spurs on the back side yep, there. to give
2: you standoff <gasps> from the ship.
1: I didn't realize you knew so much about ladders, Patrick.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, i Hispanic, so <laughs> and, I you, and I thought you were
1: just a social climber.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: they're watching this in Mexico, trying to figure out how to get over the wall.
2: <laughs> uh, good stuff. Why? Well, at this point, they just have to walk across. Well, uh, I'm uh, so all for immigration, guys. Like I love immigration. I think this country was formed on immigration. As long as you I think the reason is so, uh, the reason this country is so incredible is from the. the the melting pot of cultures that have, have, have come here. Yes, sir. But like anything, you have to do it right. Mm -hmm. You know, there has to be accountability. We have to know who's in our borders and that's not happening right now. And that's, that's what's scary. Like I'm not worried about some dude flying airplanes into buildings. Um, I'm I'm worried about who's walking across and who's getting smuggled across uh, and what their plans are for X time. X date, you know, hey, for coordinated too, it's
0: The kid, you know, the kid issue too. I mean, they, they just, you know, a few months ago, they showed the guy throwing the kid over the over the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, like
2: six year old, just tossing him over like a piece you're, of trash. And it's
0: like, dude, come on, man.
2: There's no reason for that. You it's, know, America's just one of like one of very few countries. You know that that has value on human life. You know, a lot of the world, there's zero value on human life. True. Yeah. It's one more mouth to feed. It's one more set of hands that can do labor. It's it's horribly it's horrible. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. It, there's yeah. how do you fix it? You know, the, I worked in uh, Cameroon
0: for two and a half years doing oil and gas, and you'd see that. You know, you see, oh, you know, you're doing money
2: here. It never makes it down. people. It never makes it down.
1: Did y'all, did y'all ever film like on? Y'all ever go to other countries to film? Yeah. Which is
2: all just all here for yeah. the most part. Yeah, we did. Uh, we just came back uh, from. Uh, 30 days. Well, the end of season six was filmed in Jordan. Oh, cool. Nice. Probably the most amazing country I've ever been to. Anybody listening to this? I tell you, you got to go on vacation to Jordan. It is incredibly safe, Mm -hmm. incredibly safe. Nobody messes with, they love Westerners there. Um, it's beautiful, historic. There's all these ancient runes, Roman runes there that you can, uh, not Roman. Yes. Roman runes that you can uh, basically walk around, touch, climb around, check out. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. You go to one of those like, archaeological sites anywhere else in the world, and like, it's roped off, and you can look at it from 30 feet away. There right. you can be in it. We um, did
0: a white rafting you down the Jordan River. Yeah?
2: That was, that was fun. That sounds, that that sounds, sounds cool. Adam. I'd like to do that. Yeah. One of the coolest things I did in Jordan is uh, uh, the King of Jordan uh, – Sunk a bunch of artillery and helicopters, and made an artificial reef military museum that you can scuba dive through. So like you'll be like underwater, and there'll be uh Cobra helicopters, C one hundred and thirty. I mean, it's so cool. You can get up and play that's in these awesome tanks effortless. and look in these tanks and APCs. There you go. Yeah. Oh, it, look at that! It's really special. I mean, that's it. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life, and Petra. Yeah. Uh, Petra, Indiana Jones didn't do it justice. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is just so magical. Um, I look for any excuse to get back to that country right now. And I
1: thought I had my vacations planned out for the next couple of years, but oh, that's that's what, I've, I've
2: actually been in the cockpit of that Cobra that they're sinking right there.
1: That's fucking badass. It's so cool. You told me the food was good too. We were talking about steaks in other countries oh, last night. And...
2: I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm pretty particular on my beef. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan had, every steakhouse was incredible, mm-hmm. but they had one down in Aquaba. It was called, I think it was called Red. I don't know, but uh, maybe, maybe, definitely not, yeah. I think it was Red Steakhouse in Aquaba in the south of Jordan, um, and it was the best jordanian wagyu i've ever had in my entire life i mean they they did they do their own breeding there where they're they're mixing angus wagyu and uh the quality of the beef was just unlike any flavor i've ever had it was perfect
1: perfect wow nice jordanian wagyu those were two words i thought i'd never hear (laughs) Uh, just an awesome like a meat factory that michael jordan started awesome place to go there the swoosh awesome place I'm to check that yeah, out, man. I think next year I'm going to Scotland. Just came back from Tahiti, going to Scotland next year. And I think after that I'm going to like Spain and uh, so Spain, boring, Morocco, man. Portugal, that so area. Watch,
2: uh, Chris might go into your lunch. Cancel it. Cancel it. Go to Jordan. Trust me, you'll have the best time of your life. Yeah. We, uh, so it was 82nd.
0: We were stationed at Sharm uh, Chic. Sheikh. Mm-hmm. Uh, MFO. Yeah. And we did uh, the mountain, Mount Sinai, did the Dead Sea, and then we did Jordan all there so So beautiful yeah yeah hindsight you know i wasted a bunch of time just drinking the whole time but yeah if i can go back now being older be more like more
1: pictures the culture
2: (laughs) the culture i've always loved middle eastern culture um i've always loved like bedouin style Mm -hmm. life you know tents roasting roasting lamb Mm -hmm. over a fire out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of nowhere uh you know the problem is is every other Middle Eastern country I've been to, mm-hmm. I've been, you know, I've done Sultan of Oman was nice and chill. Didn't really like Dubai that much could, you know, I haven't been to Saudi. Uh, Yemen was beautiful, but definitely not safe. Don't go to Yemen. Yeah. That was nuts. Uh, my 30 day trip lasted seven days. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Is this with the show or is no, this no, no, job? no. That was when I was a combat photographer oh, okay. back in the day. Uh, that was right at the beginning of the Huthu, uh rebellion up north against the Sunni back, you know, Sunni back government and mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia. So I went there to go document that, and uh, yeah, Yemen is crazy. Um, but but Jordan is that country that is so safe. They've their internal external security is combined uh, under one organization, so the communication sharing is flawless and uh no one messes with westerners there like they they take internal security so seriously that you, you there's even if someone doesn't really like americans they'll never show it they'll always be polite you know not like america where we're like fuck yeah. you yeah, right. um it's <laughs> just the most wonderful country nice. in the world Hold on. it's brought to you by jordan
1: International travel agency. Yeah, Royal <laughs> Bo- <Bureau. Oil laughs> Jordanian Airlines. <laughs> well, how did you fly? Is that what you flew over there? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice?
2: I, oh, it's great. It was great, man. I don't remember much of the flight. You know, some NyQuil woke up in Jordan. Couple yeah, whiskey cooks, Call it a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you wake up, if, when you fly into Europe, if you wake up in the country you're supposed to be and your luggage is there, you're in good shape. Because, oh, yeah. man, I remember last year when I flew through to Croatia, like, I man, it's flying through Germany. It was a shit show. I mean, just that whole airport was just losing luggage. Everybody's delayed. Like, damn near missed my flight because you had to like run like half a mile across the airport to get where you needed to go. I mean, that's had, like, why a... you need a hoverboard, Kyle. Get a hoverboard, dude. I, S- do I don't any. think you can fly S- with S- those anymore.
0: What are those skidways? Sked-way, Whatever. You need
1: called? heelys. I need one of those luggage <laughs> you can ride, and I get <laughs> yeah, on it there. like a scooter. <laughs> uh that's kind of like
2: rollerblades
1: it's cool to do it just don't admit it to your friends that you do it <laughs> dude man i went through i was going through german security i forgot i had my pocket knife somehow made it in my carry-on bag and like i made it made it all the way there and i get there and I'm, we're going through security again because i guess we're going to change terminals and like here they're like sir you forgot a knife in your bag we're going to throw it away they're like three people with mp5s walk up to you and like there's a knife in your bag and i'm like oh shit like keep it like, i just want to get that out of here like <laughs> don't shoot it's, it's yours <laughs> enjoy it it's a 350 dollars <laughs> limited edition yeah no, it's, it's, it's one of mine it's, it's actually one of mine here you can have it you guys make knives we've done a couple we did a pocket knife collaboration with oh man what's the name of the company uh it was uh Pena, Pena knives a, a folder and we've done a couple fixed blade knives things it was pretty pretty nice so and this one actually i think the one i actually lost was none of these is uh zach brown the musician is his mm-hmm. his, his knives are actually really nice knives And I had a couple of them, and I think that's the other one that went missing in Germany.
2: Yeah, my my, my wife went through airport security with a $400 beautiful Emerson that I bought her. Oh, God. So sad. I'm just happy, you know, she did the right thing. She was like, keep it. Um, Accidents happen. Yeah. Dude, I knew a dude in the industry about eight years ago, ten years ago, maybe, that accidentally flew through with something bigger. And it made it through security. It was petrifying when he told me. He reached into his backpack on the airplane and found it. And I was like, oh, shit. Let's actually not put that in the podcast. <laughs>
0: well, you, you laugh when I was flying out of Cameroon. You look at the screen. And it's like, and I'm like, are you guys watching soccer on your screen? Yeah. <laughs> Our I, say Dude, I had a buddy
1: that swears this is true i don't know if it is but he swears he flew and got caught with a smoke grenade going through security and they're like right, look we're gonna have to take you to jail and they listed like exceptions and one of them is like unless you're like a sea captain and he's like actually i have my 800 ton uh master's license and they're like all right enjoy your smoke grenade and he was like what the fuck and i don't I, honestly i've never looked it up if that's true but apparently if you're a sea captain you can fly with a fucking smoke grenade no don't try sell. it at home, kids. Unless you you know Google that shit first.
2: <laughs> what do you but need to a <laughs> 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 what are smoke grenades for anyway? Fuck those things. Yeah, I don't
1: know. This this is this is our buddy who like lives on a he lives on a we got to like bleep his name out. But yeah, he like lives on a ship now in case the world ends, and he all wants us to like live on a ship. He's an awesome guy, one of the smartest guy I've ever met idea. in my entire life. Depends how big the ship is. It's yeah. True. What's the chef like? And that actually, I'll be the chef. Fuck, like, like, I'll come cook for everybody sushi. on the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, he's one of the smartest dudes I know in the entire world, and uh, he's invented some crazy stuff. Uh, he actually invented a thing you can—it's like a drop you can put in your mouth that makes sugar taste bad. That's cool. I need that. I need that, dude. Yeah, he sold. I don't know if it ever made a market. He sold the sold the idea to somebody, and like I tried it one time, and then drank a Coke, and I was like, oh, that's awful. And Like an hour later, I went to like. Panda Express or something, and had orange chicken, and it tastes like you're eating cardboard. Like you would never eat it if you. had How this long does
2: it last? A couple summer. hours, that's why
1: I call them up. Like they're fucking antidote. Like I can't eat. <laughs> <laughs> like everything tastes like shit. Hey, I need a new condo hey.
0: now.
1: <laughs> like you, you would lose a lot of weight because <laughs> you throw do some cardio in with that, and we're good to go. And that's what he did it for, and he he made this stuff like in his in his kitchen, just mixing. It tastes like mint. It was a lot of mint, but like just mixing a bunch of stuff together, and it was that's effective. A trust idea. me. Yeah. Three quarters of America could
2: use that. I could use that, man. That's, I'm the biggest sugar addict in the world. I love. I don't. I don't. I don't eat it very often. But like every time I walk past like a new flavor of M and M's that releases, I'm like, oh,
1: I must try.
2: No, I can't. And then like the little devil and angels start popping up on my shoulders. And
1: dude, me, it's like bubble gum or like energy drinks. You know, I don't drink coffee, but a lot of gum. Like I gotta not buy zero gum zero sugar, C four energy. I will like just. Just eat gum, like eat them, and the flavor goes away and just constantly with, like, damn gum. And I need to – I'll stop for, like, months and forget about it. Then I'll be on Amazon. I'll be, like, having a bad day, and I'm, like, fuck it. I'm buying a giant bag of gumballs. And then, sure enough – Gumballs? <laughs> yeah, like, Lynn's sitting there watching me watch TV. Do you TV. hit gumball
2: machines when you walk past them all the time? I actually don't
1: because I don't keep fucking quarters on me, thank God. But, you know – The kids are crying. How do you make My... a hail
2: in a strip club without a pocket full of quarters?
1: It's a good question.
2: You can't. I can't. Making it rain is so old school. It's all about a pocket full of quarters. You make it hail. <laughs> was
1: it wasn't... You
2: go to Canada, Your loonies and
1: toonies. Was it Daniel Tosh was talking about, it's like the, that's the only use for cargo pants, and he fills them with coins and throws them at homeless people? <laughs> so, you can't get away with those jokes these days. No. Actually, I actually haven't seen him touring recently, mm-hmm. I think, because uh, everything he says is just horrible. It's funny. You should hire him. Yeah. <laughs> What's that British comedian that just says like horrible shit the entire time? Uh Kimmer's damn name. He's funny, but he just says really bad stuff. I wouldn't want to be a comedian in this day and age. No, you know, there's that's why like you go to like a Joe Rogan show now. Like they take you, are you with me the last time. Yeah. Like, yeah. They take your phone. They take everything because they don't want to record it. Just because, oh. like, yeah, they don't want you. They don't want any of that stuff. Make. I mean, I guess he doesn't copy the show, and he doesn't end up on CNN talking about God knows what. Yeah. Impressive. So yeah, it's smart. The world, the world is flipped on. There's a theory
2: that like back like. Four years ago or six years ago, when they smashed that atom in Switzerland, you remember that?
0: They mm-hmm. made a the machine, on
2: yeah. And they smashed an atom, and there's this theory that, like, when they smashed that atom, they flipped the world, like, like another dimension. Yeah, another dimension.
1: <laughs> yeah, how like, Hamarami died, or the, the gorilla died, uh, and then everything went to shit.
2: Yeah, and 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 then you got like the whole Mandela effect thing. You know, like things that we could swear. You know, the Mandela effect? Yeah, You know, like things we swear by, but then you Google it right now and it's not the way it went down. Like Luke, I am your father. Wasn't actually like a Star Wars thing, but everyone thinks it was
1: like Shazam. The movie with Sinbad. Yeah. that's. I swear I've seen that movie. Yeah.
2: Did, uh, can you pull up a Mandela effect with, uh, Luke? I am your father.
1: And, and and, he says
0: it. Darth Vader says
1: it. He says something a little different. Yeah. I I can't remember what it is, but no, I am your father. There we go. Yeah.
0: Father.
2: Me. Oh, we need our headphones. Uh, Everybody on. Mandela effect, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah, I know it's Luke. I'm Look at the, the video now,
0: the yeah. film. He says, no, I am your father. No, I
2: i am your father oh. mandela effect you mean yeah that but all of us would have ah. swore it was yeah, luke, I, know, yeah. I, am luke your I am your father yeah. Yeah. it's supposed to be that's how i remember it
0: luke, i am your father yeah. even On the, New the New New actor state. himself yeah. Yeah. in interviews yeah. he um quotes himself saying uh, luke i am your father. I your father luke
2: i am your father it's all his fault right so there's this whole mandela effect thing i got to take these off um it's crazy. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but now I'm, uh, I'm definitely like not disagreeing with a lot of the things that I've heard over the past 20 years.
1: It's, it's, uh, Some crazy stuff going on. Like last couple of years, aliens, man. Like I didn't, I would have never thought aliens. I didn't want aliens to be real. Cause I thought that shit was creepy as fuck. But last few years. I don't know, man. The government's definitely prepping us for something. Cause they're talking about it a lot. And, uh, I don't know if they are here or not, but uh, so I've seen
2: but- a UFO on the ground. Like right. no shit with four other friends in mm-hmm. a car, two thousand nineteen time frame. Right. Little stretch of road from uh between I seventy and Moab, Utah. And we were driving cross country. It was like probably two thirty in the morning, three in the morning, and I to this day cannot tell you what I saw. I can describe it, but the trippiest thing was was some years later I was in Soho in New York city and where all the street artists are painting stuff. And there was a guy who painted UFOs and the exact thing that I walked past. I remember this, like it was yesterday. I was walking past talking to someone, caught it out of the corner of my eye, maybe made it like three or four more steps, stopped, turned around and was just floored, started talking to the dude. And, um, yeah. It was exactly what I saw. It was like a flying saucer? No, it like was this, It was either really big and far away or really small and close. And desert at night, no depth perception. But it was this opaque blue glowing object, grayish blue, kind of like almost bell-shaped, but not quite a bell. And it had this red energy field like ripping around it. It was tripped. We all saw it. So we freak out. I had a Ford Explorer at the time. So pedals to the floor, we're probably only doing like 107 at that point because those cars sucked (laughs) by a Chevy, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Or that new Dodge is pretty slick too. Um, And then we kept driving. We got to an area like an hour later and probably so, so let's call it 90 miles away from it, 70 miles away from it. And we were going to sleep and we saw these vehicles driving up this like giant mountain and we're joking about it. Like people meeting the aliens or something weird like that. And then the sun came up and my buddy woke me up. We were sleeping outside in our sleeping bags and he goes, look up there. And it was six government suburbans coming down this mountain, just like all black and white and maroon suburbans coming down the mountain. We're like, wow. Um, coolest thing though is my new neighbor, where I live is the guy who wrote men in black. So we get to talk really? alien stuff all the time. Nice. Um, it's for real, man. It, yeah. It's it's just a matter of time until we experience it. But you know, that's the scary thing is how as humanity do we handle that? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I see a snake. If I'm not sure if it's poisonous, I fucking blast it. Yeah. And like, you know, my, my fear of that is like, people start shooting at people or other beings with the technology to actually come to our planet and that's not going to work out too well for us
1: the one thing that always tripped me out is like oh yeah you know we like we're picking up these aliens that crash here and i was like so you're telling me they made it all the way here and then they fucking crashed like all the time like it makes it seem like it's like a regular thing <laughs> you like, think it's just americans with carls come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it carl
0: <laughs> it's like back page news now It was like you would think that you know oh yeah we don't know what they are we think they're real we know they're real but now it's like okay next question you're like, in the, you know, the White House briefing. It's like...
2: no big deal. Yes, that's nothing. your first mistake, is watching White House briefings. Yeah. Not to talk <laughs> politics here, but nothing gets talked about. In and action. you're just like,
0: can we go back to that question? I mean, <laughs> what's going on? Like yeah. you said, they're, they're, they're
2: prepping us. Something's it's going to happen. They're not. They don't care about us. <laughs> They'll tell us what they want us to know when they want us to know it. Yeah. They're, uh, whatever their reasons being for it, uh, it just... It is what it is, and I'm curious to see how it all plays out. It's, you know, looking, you know, America's obviously going through a hard time right now. I was explaining this to my kids the other day. You know, we live in California and there's a lot of immigrant workers there. Um and, you know, they brought up some political stuff and, and I and I said to them, I'm like, listen, America's going through a pretty tough time right now. Uh, it's not the America that so many of our friends had signed up to defend but still in the end of the day it's the last refuge it is still the greatest place on earth and show me another country where people flock to it and work hard miserable jobs for little pay just to have a shot at the american dream and a better yeah. lifestyle so so there's still hope in, in my eyes that 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 we can regain some of the culture and the values that america was formed on mm-hmm. but you know, it's just a hiccup in history, and, and and hopefully it writes itself. And it's sad, and it's heartbreaking when you think about the friends you've lost defending our Constitution, uh, defending our values. Um, but it's life. And yeah, hopefully, sorry, hopefully, sorry to get all real no, on you no. guys there.
1: No, I thought when we were talking about aliens, and we started talking about, you know, the, the other kind of aliens. I was like, man, we're, we're going off topic here. but <laughs> No, if, no I mean, we're
2: talking about government and where our government's at and how, you know— not. What they deem important for the
1: American people to know, you know, it's, you yeah, know. It, it always comes back. I hope, you know, it's kind of like, you know, sports, you know, like your team sucks, your team gets better. Like, I really hope it comes full circle. Like you said, everything kind of it, it comes around. To. It
2: is the last stronghold on this planet. There is no other place, no matter how unf- unfree we feel due to regulations or the way laws are changing, there's no other country on this planet that we people are this free yeah so uh, so season six
0: you guys on hiatus now for the writer's strike and all that
2: yeah we were just about to start filming then the writer strike happened and sag is about to strike i think oh really yeah so who knows it will it will come eventually guys bear with us we we love making the show as much as you love watching it so we appreciate your patience and there's not a person that works on that show that isn't chomping at the bit to get back and start making it. Uh, but obviously there's bigger things at play than just ourselves in the show. So um, hopefully it all gets worked out amicably and fast and, and people get what they need and the industry
1: starts, starts going again. So, I mean, the, the strike affects movies and television, right? It's everything.
2: Anything that's not written yet, the writer strike effects, uh, Movies that have been written can still film, but once SAG strikes, the actors can't work, so those will all go on stop. Uh, hey, but it's a great time to download SEAL Team and
1: rewatch every episode. Yeah, catch up on everything. The uh, who were we talking about the other day it was uh, Taylor Sheridan. He was talking about that. T- talking about it. he's like he's like I read all my shows. I guess they're telling him he has to he has to employ writers. They're like, mm-hmm. oh well, you got to have. Even if you write it, you got to have writers on your show and pay for them. He's like, look, I'll pay him to just sit in a room and play tiddlywinks and I'll do my job. He's like, if you tell me they have to actually write the show and I can't, like, later, like, I'm yeah. done.
2: Yeah, you know, in the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter how much money you make, no matter what, you have to love what you do. Mm-hmm. And the second you don't love it and can't do it the way you want to do it, time to find something else that interests you. Because life, you know, you gotta you gotta love what you do. Otherwise, you're not going to yeah. have good products. Whether it's making guns, writing shows, you know, building gear, training dogs, you gotta love it.
1: Yeah, that's what we you know. It's one thing we we hire a lot of these guys on personality. You know, we want them here to. They gotta fit in. You know, we want them to love what they do, really believe in the mission. You know, it doesn't matter how technically adept you are building guns. We can teach you to do that. You know, I can't teach you to be cool. So. And you can't you can't fake
2: passion. Yeah. You know, and you need people that are passionate about putting out the best products that you can and that's what you do a great job of hiring yeah. they're cool you can hang with them but ultimately in the end of the day mm-hmm. i can go nerd out about firearms with any one of your employees oh yeah and because we... they're passionate about it they love it and that's how you get
1: a great product yeah and if you're not passionate about something i mean you can fake it for a little bit but when push comes to shove you know hey you got to come on on saturday and we got to knock this out and It'll it'll eventually come out in any, in any profession. You know what I mean? Like it, you're gonna find out if someone doesn't believe in it at some point. So, I mean, speaking of guns, man, we uh, yeah, built oh, yeah. you a badass Cali compliant 137 here. Yep, yeah, but well, living in California, it's been really hard to
2: to, to shoot long guns because there are no good ones out on the market that are California compliant. But but this California compliant. Just listen to the sound, ladies and gentlemen, that right there is beautiful. This California compliant AR is absolutely stunning. Even though it's got California mag that doesn't come out, it still has all the fire controls and it is absolutely stunning. And it's even got my ranch logo on it. What is your ranch? How big is the ranch? Uh, my ranch is only twenty acres, uh-huh. so I run up to seven head on it. Okay, uh, but it's within three thousand acres. Okay. Hey, go lay down. Stop. Uh, hey. He's not talking to me, by the way. <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> stop touching my leg. I'll see you later, now. Pepper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> live. Um, uh, but it's on three thousand acres that there's free range mm-hmm. cattle and stuff mm-hmm. that backs up to another like nine thousand acres, which backs up to National Forest, so. You feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. It's a Excellent. small ranch, but it's a fun ranch. I what kind of what kind of animals
1: you got on your ranch?
2: Cattle. Just run cattle. Nice. Might do chickens at some point, but uh, cattle. Do you sell them or do you feed them up, fatten them
0: up, and sell them, or
2: what are you doing? I eat them, bro. Oh, okay,
0: so it's for own consumption. Okay. Now, do you do your own uh, quartering and all that,
2: or do you I'll go do it with the guys? I'll but be. I don't have a freezer that's big enough to. I like to quarter and hang for thirty before we fabricate. Okay. So I'll go work with the dudes we'll quarter it uh and then i'll help them hang it and then from there uh if i have time i'll go fabricate with them if not they'll fabricate and i'll freeze and cook um but it it just it all depends on timing with filming and stuff like that there's nothing more i love than like a knowing what's in my body but more importantly teaching my kids that kind of stuff so like for fourth of july we we brought a uh a lamb in and the kids were there we slaughtered the lamb uh fabricated it actually we hung it overnight and the kids guarded it from the coyotes with me and we camped out <laughs> and we were ready to, to to defend it at all costs nice but uh then we, then the next day uh we uh hung it over a fire mm-hmm. and did a beautiful like eight hour smoke argentine style that sounds and, good and then but you know for, for the kids to understand where their food is coming from and, um, so you know for me it's really important to to have my kids understand like it's okay to go to a supermarket and buy your food but if we can control what that animal eats and you know everything that's been in that animal mm-hmm. you know you're getting good food I'm not worried about hormones being injected in it do not, do you, are you giving shots medicating? I, I will do that okay. when they're born, mm-hmm. you know, just to protect them. But my cattle only live two and a half years max. Okay.
0: okay. You know, okay. I'm, I'm
2: slaughtering it by at two years old. They're getting grained out for depending on the price of grain, but mm-hmm. generally like four to six months I'll grain. Um, it's not long cost long. effective by no, any yeah. means. It is the dumbest, most expensive hobby in the world. Nope. Yep. But but if you like beef,
1: it's worth it. The, uh, man, I made a whole pig, you know, you're talking about, you know, fabricating and cutting them up and stuff. That's something I got to learn, man. I love to cook, you know, but I've never butchered an animal or anything like that. And it seems like, you know, well, I've cleaned deer and stuff, but, you know, I've never actually like cut into steaks, you know, cut the, you know, done, done the actual butchering part of it. And I like, I made this whole pig and I cooked it and we laid it down and I looked at it and I'm like, shit i hadn't thought about thought through like actually like we just ended tearing to tearing apart it's like pulled <laughs> pork basically but i never really thought about it. I was like well shit now i gotta cut this thing up. <laughs>
2: yeah, there, there, it it's is an art for it yeah. i actually my local super my local iga has the best butcher i've ever seen at any supermarket anywhere in the world his name is al and al's always screaming at people but he's the best <laughs> so i said to al i was like well, we're almost done with filming i'm like we're going on hiatus i'm like hey I'll come work for you for free in the butcher shop this summer, every day. I'll treat it like a job for free. If you teach me how to fabricate properly and butcher butchering is an art. Oh yeah. And he like, no, I don't have time.
1: I'm like, come on Al. He's like, no. Uh, dude, we have, we have a uh, Joe at meat market. The one I go to and it's great. We walk in, he hands you a beer, you know, you hang out, talk about sports or animals or food or cooking or whatever, you know? And, uh, that's actually a great idea. I don't know if Joe would let me work for him for a summer, but that sounds like a, you'd learn a lot. Yeah. I mean, he's a, uh, a lot of guys that work for Joe used to run their own little, you know, it's kind of a dying, dying thing, you know, and they used to run their own little butcher shops. And uh, a lot of them left their little shops, or as little shops went out of business, they'd go work for Joe. And he's got a great, great crew of dudes there are working for him. And he kills it. He's the one that found that whole, whole pig farm. me. I'm like, I don't know where the hell to find one. I called him up. And he's like, yeah, sure. Uh, at a pig farm? Well, I'm sorry. I don't, like <laughs> right <laughs> don't want to eat any of the ones we kill around here, man. Have you, you seen that
0: little market right down the other side?
1: I, the little halal little market, yeah, right? Yeah. I haven't been in there. I kind of want they're to. They're not selling pig in a halal no, market. No, no, it's no. A, it's right
0: off the highway. It has like a little barn. It has like, it has like cages for sheep, goats, everything. Oh, it's like right there off the tent.
1: Yeah, I've seen it. I've never been in. I need yeah. to go check it out. I'm I very like loyal goats. to Joe. Go. Goats
2: are really cute. Yeah.
1: They taste good, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I when
2: they're young. I remember when I was working as a photographer in Afghanistan, uh, just eating goat all the time. I bought I a goat old stuff too. I bought a goat for the guys that I was, I was attached to. I bought a goat and we cooked it up. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. It's
1: making just me want some barbacoa.
2: <laughs> nice switch from army food oh, yeah. to a freshly goat.
1: roasted goat. <laughs> it's probably the biggest swing you could probably do in the food, food when it world stops you out,
2: the makes you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> balances out in the end <laughs> life on mres so when y'all are filming seal team do they like make you like do y'all, do y'all really get into it and start eating mres i mean we food and- no we drink protein
2: shakes on set um no it, you know it's listen i give it i take my hat off to every one of those actors like culturally this has been my life whether i was You know, combat photographer, part-time cop, consulting for the industry. You know, I've grown up running around playing in gear, going to war zones, being uncomfortable. But the actors of this show, like, man, I take my hat off to them. Because day in, day out, they're busting their ass to not only physically look like the part, Mm -hmm. but to take the time to learn the tradecraft that the real SEALs are doing, uh, to mentally prepare themselves for it, to learn the dialogue and you know, it's it's a full time job. I mean, even just staying in shape for the show is is. Especially when you guys have your time
0: off, I mean, you
2: know, it's taxing. Yeah, it's taxing. You know, every day I'm in the gym for an hour with a trainer six days a week. You know, day seven he'll come and stretch me.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, it's it's
1: uh, it's hard. How much how much warning do you have? Like you know, say the rider strike ends and it's like all right, we're going back to filming. I mean, is it like sixty days? Five days, I mean, how much, how much warning do you it have? It changes from year to year. Some, like the first season, we got picked up halfway
2: through it, and we knew we were coming back for season two, so we'd have, you know, three, three four months off to like have our lives for a second, because we were shooting nine months a year at that point. Um, and then other seasons, they didn't give us the pickup until after the season aired. So, you know, we might have had five or six months with like a two-month lead time, 3 monthly time some yeah. cases you know actors won't know until a week before If like they're not part of the show and they're hired for a role they'll find out like a week before and you get a cut weight if you no time. no no at that point they're casting based off of gotta acting. look the part yeah. look the part talk the part you know it's a casted role well
0: like now say you guys are on hiatus going to strike. you guys are keeping yourself physically fit or the role if it came back like Two hours from now, hey, it's strikes over. I mean,
2: listen, our, our, you know, our, our cast members on the show take this job very seriously. Mm -hmm. They're very professional and they realize that they are, they are representing, lack of a better term, fucking heroes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they take it very seriously and, you know, everyone, if you were to FaceTime any one of the actors right now, they'd be in shape and ready to go. So, yeah,
1: it's just awesome.
0: Yeah, we definitely love the show. It's Thank really good, you. Yeah.
2: Everybody there works their ass offward and it means something to it's not just a job to people there. You know, we're telling the writers are writing stories that represent our heroes, the actors are portraying them, the hair and makeup are making our you know, doing our dirt, you know, like the preparation. There's not a single department there mm-hmm. that doesn't believe one hundred percent in what they're doing. We've we've employed veterans in every level of that show and the leadership cares. The leadership wants to tell the story of our heroes. You know, everybody there cares about making a difference in the veteran community. It's not just a show. It,
0: yeah. The shows that you guys do, is this Tyler does most
2: of the writing? No. So, or so the actual writers? The writers write it. And uh, he gives his input on it? Sometimes, like, uncertain uh, stuff. You know, Tyler's been a huge asset since day one, because he understands, you get a lot of veterans that come on set, and like, they we great at their job, but they don't know how to interact on set. Right. You know, Tyler, Tyler knows the Hollywood industry, you know, he knows he's studied film. So like, you know, he's directed episodes, he's produced episodes, he's acted in episodes. Now he's writing in episodes and um, you know, he, he understands it. So like, instead of just saying, no, it can't be like that. You know, Tyler has a solution before he suggests something, you know, well, if we shoot it this way and bring the cameras in from here and we're on a 70 millimeter lens or, you know, or we're shooting anamorphic, you know, he speaks the language Mm -hmm. of the director of photography, you know, you would have the same uh, input too. being a combat photographer and stuff like that. I mean, different, you know, I've always said the worst director makes the best photographer and every photographer (laughs) wants to be a director. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I could handle a camera for them, mm-hmm. but I could never set up a shot. Oh, okay. Like it's an art form and I'd be lying to you if I said I could do it. Yeah, um, I mean, like I got here that do pictures of our rifles. I was like, dude, here's my
0: rifle. Just make it look pretty. And yeah. there you go. Doing their, doing their magic.
2: Like I couldn't, I, I feel a very specific role on the show. Um, but you know, every department, we have the best, you know, like we have the best prop guy. We have the best armorer. We have the best hair and makeup. Our grips are the best. Like there's no crew that can, can work in it... best hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no crew in Hollywood that shoots the show at a speed that we shoot and gets the quality that we get. We landed little birds on a moving helicopter for television. That's fucking unheard of. We did a spyline line exfil on television. This is shit that they do in hundred million dollar movies. And we do it in a day. That's like, fucking awesome. That helicopter scene on a movie would have been two weeks, three weeks of shooting it. We did it in one day. Outstanding. Like, it's insane.
0: Do you guys get uh, helicopters from like Task Force or? Do no, you we know?
2: get no. We get no military assets okay. at all except for one time the Marine Corps uh, gave us some Ospreys and some Cobra air support okay. for for a story where the Marines were helping us. Um, it uh. It's really impressive what that crew does, man. They, they crush it on every aspect. I mean, even just mentally and physically, you know, most people would drop out of that. It is really mind-blowingly incredible what these people pull off day in, day
1: out for s- almost seven years now. Do y'all have like a base, you know, I know there's a lot of movies that they go through like, bait, you know, kind of a, like, y'all have like something y'all give to guys, you know, like on the lingo and the, you know.
2: Just... No, guys pick it up. They did their research. They read the books. They watched the movies. They learned it that we have Tyler on set to help tech advise, you know, and, and, and answer questions. And we got Ryan Sangster, uh, who's a former Navy SEAL on set to, to like help with movement and questions, you know, and, and, and these two guys can solve every single problem that the actors need. You know, it's nice. We have writers on set that can, can explain, you know, if there's any questions on the script, um, and then the director, you know, that has the overall set and if, you know, if there's any mood or things like that, like tone, tonally set, you know, the leadership is strong. And like any good team, if you have good leadership and people that are willing to put in the effort, you'll have a fantastic profit, uh, uh, product.
1: You know, that's something, that's just, that's something... I say profit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that too, that too. <laughs> slip.
2: you know, but I, I tell you, man, it's like, there's not a person on that show mm-hmm. That wouldn't show up to work for free to make that product because the viewers of this show, so many people have carried guns in defense of this nation domestically and mm-hmm. overseas over the past 22 years. And so many of these people watch this show and it doesn't get lost when it comes to set. Like we always have visitors, you know, it's, it's, it really means something to every, it's more than a TV show to everybody there. It's more than a paycheck to everybody mm-hmm. there. So it's really, really special.
1: I know we talk, we've talked about, you know, tech advisors, how important that is and, you know, it's getting it right, getting the details yeah. right. And, uh, you know, and I think you help, you help quite a bit with that, too, on the show, kind of, right? I just deal with the equipment and the gear. Um, and that's Setting
2: it up,
0: right, type thing.
2: Setting it up, right. You know, t- the prop guys are phenomenal, but this is a very specialized world that we're representing that a lot of people don't have eyes on. You know, like you can only pick up so much by looking at social media and yeah. things like that you know i like to use the show as a test base to evaluate equipment create better equipment um i like to have it on the show before it actually gets to the unit you know mm-hmm. so it started off as seal team is kind of like representing development group equipment wise and it's evolved to what i believe units will end up using within the next 3 to 4 years mm-hmm.
1: um and and i think as a gear nerd i think that's cool not not, not going to see uh what are some of the shows? I mean, like the Walking Dead and stuff. I've seen they have like just you well, know, I guess that one's you know the end of the world, so you work with what you got. But I've seen shows like I guess i not mention any names, but you're like oh, we got a front sight, no rear sight, no optic. Like I don't even know how you're aiming. It, it <laughs> happens, man. I mean, even in an HK ad, they had a backwards the, bullet the in a backwards. magazine.
2: <laughs> um, Listen, it happens. It happens, okay. but but we mitigate that. Yeah. We mitigate that, like you know, and safety safety is everything one thing i do like is like if you do you know look at your gear
0: while you guys are wearing it on the show you never see any dangling straps everything's tied off everything's you know yeah. cinched up the way it's supposed yeah. to be
2: yeah you know, every now and then there'll be something that gets fucked up and mm-hmm. you know but
1: it's rare that's real life too though you I mean, know it gets fucked up you yeah know, it happens so but you can tell you guys care that's, I think that's the main thing like you can really tell y'all give a shit about it, it about it, the details it so. means something to every single yeah. person there and that's
2: like i don't know how else to explain it and when like your shop floor i'm never going to get a gun without a firing pin i'm never going to cuz everyone down there pays attention to the details and cares
1: about them cuz multiple checks man and nothing like that'll ever make it out which is awesome you know we by the do- way this podcast is brought to you by beretta i don't know who <laughs> carries them but they've
2: been around since 19 something <laughs> to you about carl's jr
0: why do you keep saying carl's jr because they pay
1: me I <laughs> <laughs> bunch of Wayne's world the other day we were talking about I was like i'll never i'll never do anything for money as he's like he's eating a giant slice yeah. of pizza out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. people will do anything for money except for us
2: bullshit that was good caffeine yeah so let's
0: see uh i a photographer talk about the show Oh, talked about aliens, aliens, government,
1: steaks. What? Yeah. So uh, we talked about beef. Oh, have Haven't even talked about Meat steaks sweats. yet. <laughs> <laughs> Meat sweats. <laughs> Meat sweats. Dude, that restaurant was good the other day. I know we went twice, but it was, wasn't as good the second day. But it was pretty damn good the first day.
2: It's hard for me, you know. Like I tell you, man. Like I'm very particular on on steak or and food in general but it's so hard to be critical, like just because you see how many people are starving out there and yeah. don't have access to food, even clean drinking water. So like to, to complain about that kind of stuff just burns me. I just eat it, shut up, say thank you and tell them it was wonderful and leave. But yeah, they fucked it up last night.
1: My, the hardest thing for me is I make a really good steak and I bet you do too. And it's like, I could just do this at home. Okay,
2: so talk <laughs> me through your, have my own bathroom.
1: Talk me through your steak process. I personally, I like the reverse sear, man. I'll, I'll, you know, actually, I'm still using the oven. I usually use my grill. Just throw it on the top rack. You know, I'll get it up to about 115. I'll take it off. I'll rest it. In your no, oven? No, I, I know on the grill. Usually, I what use the kind grill. of grill? I use a Weber. So you're on charcoal. I so I have a big wood smoker. I should have a charcoal grill. I have a big wood smoker, and then I have a gas grill. So depending. You lost
2: me, bro. You cook steaks on. Fucking gas, we're done here. <laughs>
1: are You uh, a <laughs> flip you know, the table over and leave. A Traeger
2: guy, or are you? A Traegers are about... great. You know, I like Traegers for smoking wings. You know, I don't really cook much brisket, but if I did a brisket, it'd be on a Traeger. It'd be nicer to do like a, a like a wood smoke. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can never replicate that, but the ease with a Traeger, anybody can be a professional style yeah. smoker.
0: And you don't have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning because you can just do it by your phone.
2: Boom. <laughs> so you know. They've really done a great job in that. Um, I'm a grill guy. I like grilling. I mm-hmm. grill over red oak. Sometimes I might throw a little bit of white oak in to give a little extra heat. Um, but I like the flavor of the red oak. I'm not a big fan of eating steaks cooked over gas. You're a tri-tip guy, saying being from California? Oh, yeah. Tri-tip's the fucking greatest beef in the world mm-hmm. on a good sandwich.
0: Yeah. So you tried it in is uh, San excellent. Diego. First time I actually had it was in Northern California when I first got out of the Army. It was up in... Uh, Red Wolf, mm-hmm. Uh Northern California, okay. uh, by Redding, way mm-hmm. up there, literally by the Oregon border. And that was the first time I ever tried to, and it was pretty spot on.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a gas station where I live called Seventy Six. I never thought I'd be eating out of a gas station, but this woman makes one of the greatest tried to. The SWAT guys took me there, and, there, and I was like really skeptical. Mm-hmm. Best tried soup sandwich I've ever had. This is the it 76 a, cast it's
1: a Santa Maria style. There's a certain yep, way to Santa it. Maria how, style. How is X? I usually just you know I don't I don't do mine
2: like that. So so you're talking you know smoke Santa Maria is a, a, like kind of a, a a cross between grilling and smoking. So so my grill is custom set up so I can cook Argentine style, which means I bake all my wood in a brasserie or. I can't pronounce it, but it drops all the coals down and I rake the coals over and you can cook over coals and it's the cleanest way to cook it because you retain 100% of the beef flavor and it's wonderful. But having, I love the flavor of the wood in my meat. So what I do is I start them in that, get them all hot, and then I'll get the coal base going underneath the grill and I'll put live wood on it and I'll get that smoke. So I'll start with my steaks higher up, never less than two inches thick. Sorry, never more than two inches thick, never less than uh, one point eight, you know, inches thick, just under two. Uh, occasionally, if I got a lot of people coming, I'll do like a like a two and a half inch thick, like just giant Somewhere. tomahawk. Yeah, you know, you got to <laughs> flex sometimes. Um, but I'll start with the grill high, and I'll just capture all that smoke in my beef, and I'll do like ten minutes on it, one side, flip it, do ten minutes. Low heat, lots of smoke, and that's just absorbing into the meat, and it's wonderful. Then I'll drop the grill down, and I will flip it every 45 seconds for about 10 minutes, and then I'll rest it, mm-hmm. and then I'll repeat the process until I'm 120 internal. Nice rare. I'll put it down in a pan, put a little bit of butter on top of it, tin foil, and let it sit for... You know, 10, 12 minutes, get it up to like 125, 126, get that nice pink, mm-hmm. medium rare center, slice it really thin, lay it out. There's this stuff called Aztec sea salt. Give it a little bit of mm-hmm. that meat dude's Meat boy, bear,
1: salt boy, salt Salt, bay, salt, bay, salt, bay, salt boy. I can't even get my arm like that. Like, just, <laughs> Yeah.
2: That's why I suck across I can't do that. Just throw thing. it. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm a, oh med- you just broke... The first rule of CrossFit, it took you 32 minutes to talk about CrossFit. <laughs> That's why I'm not a CrossFitter. <laughs> um, yeah, and then serve it up. Do the, are you, I'm sorry, are go, go, you a go.
0: whiskey or wine or water, drinks? What I'm a, I
2: am like wine. I don't really drink hard alcohol. I, I enjoy it, and I'll have it. Weddings, funerals is kind of my rule. But um, if there's a special occasion, honestly, just too many calories in it. Uh, you know, so much of... What I have to do is physically maintain, mm-hmm. like I pick and choose. Like, I don't really drink at all, but you know, nice steak. I'll open up a nice old
1: Barolo or something or super Tuscan and, and, and in with that. Yeah, we were killing it with the wine at TTP I can't remember the name of that restaurant there, but you're picking some good stuff. Hey, when it's someone else paying the bill, why the fuck not? <laughs> Can I get the one in the box, please. <laughs> we used to do that shit in college, man. So we'd uh, we'd hold we just pull the bag out and hold it over people's heads and open up the thing. And that's why I didn't go to college, <laughs> <laughs> man. We're uh, speaking of steak. Our my butcher Joe is talking about. I think it's Florentine or Florence style, and it's taking a uh, T-bone, but you cook it standing up, and at the end you just slice it towards the bone like that, and just kind of pull it off, and he was describing, it was a real thick one that this guy was buying. He was like, got to cook it like this under a broiler, basically, like, standing up, and it, I've never done it, but it sounded freaking amazing. I think we're going to have to try it this week. You had an auto.
2: Have you seen those auto broiler grills?
1: No, I haven't, but that sounds good.
2: Yeah, if you like broiled, like, Peter Luger-style mm-hmm. steak, yeah. not my thing. degrees.
1: I've never tried it, but it, it looks good when you're, like, you see it, you know, Just on TV. Just so much oil, and,
2: you know it's, know, it's not really my flavor, but if you like that style... You know, some dudes love pan searing their steaks.
1: I'm not the biggest fan of pan searing. I worked in North Dakota. That was a big thing <laughs> up there was pan searing steak. I'll do it on thinner steaks because I'll just, you know, real hot on both sides and pull it off. The inside still rare. But Listen, If you're dying to have steak and you don't want to fire up the grill and do an hour-long process, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it makes sense to do it. But. Or like the like, ones you like eat at Mexican restaurants, like the really thin little sirloins, yeah. like mm-hmm. you need do it real fast. That's pretty good, you know, steak and eggs or something like that. I don't but. eat that shit, bro. <laughs> People always ask me, you Two know, how seat. has your life changed since
2: you went to Hollywood? I'm like, it really hasn't. Like, I still stayed in Holiday and Expresses and, you know, still sleep in my car sometimes when I'm traveling cross-country, but my taste in wine and steak have gotten a little bit more. Uh,
1: in helicopters, you won't fly in an R-44 even for me. <laughs> I won't
2: even... Yeah, not a yeah, chance I'll get in an R-44. In garage. I'm good, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I enjoy a little bit of a more sophisticated wine and a little bit better <laughs> grade. A little
0: nut on top of that's holding up a called the Jesus. That's the
2: Jesus. Nut. Yeah. Dude, one, of, one of my closest friends has an R66, which is a turbine version of the 44 and he is a great pilot, you know, flies for law enforcement, yeah. uh, qualified on a Hawk, Huey jet Ranger, uh, a-star, everything. He holds everything. And dude's got thousands and thousands and thousands of hours and years of experience. I'm like, I'll get up in the 66 with him, but I don't enjoy it.
1: <laughs> well, dude, when you start an R-44, you're starting to go, the whole thing is shaking. Like, I mean, just the whole thing's just going like this. And you're like, oh, I'm going to die. Probably yeah. going to die. No, <laughs>
2: I'm, if I'm getting into a single engine aircraft, it's going to be like H uh, 125 a H-125 A-star or yeah. an MD-500. Uh, Little bird style. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, I'm i sure I'm either going to die driving or in a helicopter just because those two things are just incredibly dangerous. Um, yeah. Those little, a,
1: I started my... Yeah, you're saying you're, like your wife's learning how to fly. Like I've, I've gotten like halfway through my pilot slice. So I need to finish it. But like the planes they teach you to fly in are the biggest pieces of shit. Like we were flying a Piper one time. There's like duct tape on the you know, on the control panel, you know, like what you have ever seen where like they get a crack in the window and they drill it to stop it. And you see the whole window is like crack, drill, 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 all the is a window. And you're just looking at it, you're like, man, I'm gonna, like the back seat's missing and the plane's like, you know, from the 60s and you're like, Pablo Escobar was probably smuggling drugs in this fucker in the 80s. And, uh, so I stopped going to this one flight school and like the next week I see it was like plane crash at the airport in San Antonio. And it's literally one of the planes when I'd been flying. Was everyone and, okay? Yeah. Everyone was okay, but they landed in the front wheel collapsed. I was like, man, I was got I, uh, I need to get back into it, but I need to find a place that doesn't fly, you know, giant so. flying pieces of shit. Yeah. yeah.
2: I don't really have any interest in getting in small aircraft. Mm-hmm. I I'd rather just drive. Yeah. I mean, in all reality, it's probably safer in small aircraft than big ones because you can kind of land them anywhere. You just need like a stretch of highway without a or bridge. A field, yeah.
1: Or a field. You get that one that has a parachute on top. Have you seen those? <laughs> yeah. They just
0: pull like this little
1: yep. handle. I that. think it's Cirrus who makes that. Yeah. yeah. I remember we were doing one. It was like an engine out drill. And you're supposed to pull the flaps real hard, and you kind of start spinning down to put the fire out. So we're doing this. The guy's like, all right, do it. And I, I yanked those flaps hard and start turning. He's like, whoa, man easier i'm like bro the engine's on fire like we gotta let's take this seriously
2: oh shit like
1: yeah he's worried about me breaking the plane i'm like oh man this isn't now do you
2: go into zero gravity in those kind of dives
1: i no, i never i mean you're not or, going or
2: positive or negative g's
1: you oh, can you- feel a little bit but not really no I and mean, you're you're i mean you're kind of turning down but he wouldn't i mean they wouldn't let me go fast enough to do that i wish i wish right. but i mean so some of the stuff you learn like kind of like the leaf when you're kind yeah. of floating stalling out yeah. i mean it's I mean, little disconcerting, but I mean, you're only you're only like three thousand feet up, so I mean, you're gonna you're gonna put that bad boy down a field, hopefully.
2: I did the vomit comet once. You guys ever heard of the vomit comet? I have, yeah. Like that scientific research mm-hmm. plane that does parabolic arches, so you can feel the gravity it looks of like every fun. planet. Did
1: it's you? pretty cool. Did you?
2: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I didn't throw up. Uh,
1: come, come on, bro. <laughs> have you ever seen the music video from OK Go where they're on, the, they on that? Where they're on that? no like they're actually I think they're on the Russian one but you can actually like they're in there like doing stuff throwing balloons and then they sit down you can actually see like they're sitting Mm -hmm. you know as they're going up and then they're diving they're doing the whole thing and uh, it's actually pretty neat like it's it's a pretty badass music video of them them doing it well that's how they filmed all the
2: Apollo 13 the Tom Hanks movie back in the day that's how they filmed all the scenes for that in the vomit comet oh do they
1: really Yeah. yeah
2: yeah
1: it's brilliant
2: it's absolutely brilliant
1: Sounds like fun. I they used to do it in Houston here. I don't know if they do it anymore in Houston. They travel around
2: they travel around the country, and hit different airports. They have like a whole schedule.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun actually.
2: It ain't cheap, but it's definitely worth it. It's an experience you will never get doing anything else.
1: Dude, if you're gonna spend money on something, it should be experiences, you know, traveling, like you don't need stuff, you know. You I, agree. I agree. I go out there and do go out there and experience that, you know, see new places, see Jordan. Go see the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Pick and choose your experiences. No, I got a, I got a propane no. tank
1: out here. We can we'll figure it out,
2: dude. It's just so sad because like all those people were smart people. They weren't idiots, and like at what point do you like? I'm not a smart man by any which means, and I'm willing to take some risks. But there's no way in hell I would have ever walked up on that and been like. This seems like a good idea. I'd love to go see the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, not nothing. No. I'd love to go down into the Marianas Trench. I'd love to be you know, one of the handful of people in the world to have an experience. Like, like I'd love to go to outer space. Fuck, I would, I would go to outer space with 70-30 odds. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of crazy when you think about it. 70% mm-hmm. success rate, 30% chance of dying. I would
1: take that risk to go to outer space. But, you know, it's... Uh, you see the show on the inside of the submarine. You know, it's like James Cameron in his submarine. There's like screens everywhere and wires and tubes and shit. He's got all this stuff in there. And then you show this thing. There's literally nothing inside of it, but like a fucking like, they're like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and I'm like, literally, how do you even know how deep you are? I don't even see a computer screen in this fucking thing. Like, is it? Like...
2: That was bananas that people would voluntarily get in that, not yeah. a, let alone spend a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, even if I'd spent the quarter of a million bucks and I walked up, I've been like, I'm going to enjoy the spa on the boat. You guys take some pictures with your iPhone and I'm going to look at them when you get up. As the guy and, said, and I feel I bad. My hearts go out to their families, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's, you know, it's sad. It's sad. You know, I just, that's what kind of my issue with humanity right now is people do dumb shit, but they shouldn't be made fun for it. No. Like, like people have been massively harsh. Remember those people all have families. Mm-hmm. They I have feel, kids, they have
1: wives, they I have parents. And, like, I feel bad for the kid that went because, like, his mom was even saying he didn't want to go. Like, he was scared shitless to go, and his dad made him go. And I was like, man, I feel bad for that kid. That's, that sucks. But any loss of life is tragic.
2: You know, it just, it could have been so prevented. Yeah. Like, I just.
0: Even all the stuff that came out after, you know, he bought secondhand carbon fiber and stuff like that. Yeah, he
1: was bragging about not being safe. I'm like, well, you're going to, I mean, he doesn't have to regret it now. He's dead. But, I mean, it just complete.
2: The guy was a complete and total narcissist. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny because Tyler Gray was like, when it happened, he goes, "I bet you that it comes out that that guy was a narcissist." And I was like, "How would you know that?" And he's like, "Watch," and it comes like all yeah. the evidence starts coming out. You know, Tyler's Tyler's a pretty incredible person when it comes to reading people. He's got, uh, I think he's he's got something that he's doing like life coaching stuff. I like to brag. I was his first customer. Um, he's, he's like a big kind of brother.
0: Yes.
2: No, he, well, yeah, kind of, um, he, uh, but I would pay anything for it. He's, he just has the most incredible insight into life relationships, people. Um, it's really cool. It's, he's given me great life advice. Um, I vouch for it. So I, uh,
0: that's who you, uh, This podcast
2: is brought to you by Tyler Gray's new podcast. Not sure what it's called, but it will be great. (laughs) Yeah, listening to him
0: downstairs and realize we're building uh, to the Sean Ryan show Mm -hmm. on his podcast and listening to his uh, story of life and everything. And it was, yeah, you're like, you're spot on. Yeah. He's he's
2: out there. He's got it. He's seen it all. He's done it all. He's gone through hell and rebuilt himself. And it's fucking impressive.
0: Oh, Sean Ryan, if you're
2: listening, uh, come to the shop.
1: Butch on our podcast? About your podcast? About our
2: podcast? Sean Ryan, if you're listening, I just want to have a beer with you, buddy.
0: Yeah, he's a good guy. He's legit. I've never met him. No, I've just his YouTube videos and stuff like that. Man, you, what he talks about is you know kill pedophiles for the most part, <laughs> which is always good. Really? isn't. He uh, you know, talks about all the guys, and he's helped tons of people. You know, same thing as Tyler has. I'm sure. You know, all the all the vets. You know, is what He puts out helps other people, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, that's all we can do in this life is try to do whatever we can to, to pay it forward because we're all so absolutely no matter what's going on in our life, we're fortunate to be in this position. And yeah, you know, because of those guys for
0: 20 years, they've been doing stuff, you know, yeah, so yeah,
2: that's that's cool. Yeah, the whole pedophile thing, I can't believe they did the whole decriminalization of it in California. It's it's terrifying.
0: At what point do you I mean, seriously, Republicans, Democrats, I mean, at
2: one you would think kids would be the main issue, you know, both sides. We should hope so. That's, it's, that's like actually like my greatest fear. Mm-hmm. you know. Same. That movie Taken is like killed the idea of like traveling. Or yeah. the one that's
0: out now, uh, Sounds of Freedom.
2: I really yeah, I been, really want to see yeah, that. Me too.
0: I want to see it but I'd probably be the guy crying in the back. You know, it's okay, just, okay to cry. Yeah. 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 yeah that's true. This is
1: true. I've cried I've cried at way dumber stuff, so yeah that's fine. Mm-hmm. So, the, uh, yeah, definitely. It's just like you watch the news stories, like the was that movie Cuties, and they're like, "Oh, it's just misunderstood," and then they're coming out with this one, like, "Oh, it's QAnon bullshit and all this stuff." And I'm like, "How like how more obvious can you be that you're trying to you know cover for these people?" It's insane.
2: I don't understand it at any level. I don't understand. I don't understand where the world has gone to the point where, where people are trying to prevent people from being aware and. Educated about human trafficking. Yeah. So, it's just. It, it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Pepper the crackhead. She's so well, quiet.
0: She she give her a mic. She Let's just give keep... her a mic so she can talk.
2: I would have her like, get off the table, but I
1: don't think the table Yeah, don't break her. This is, this is a 120 year old piece of cypress. Let's not kill it yet. Fuck
2: your table, my dog, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, what kind of human are you?
1: <laughs> She'll survive. She does need to make. So we're hey, we we we're, were sitting downstairs earlier, and, and Justin's sitting there going like this on the table, and I I thought he was telling me to get on the table for a second. I forgot the dog was here. <laughs> the funny thing is, you tried to jump on the table. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna have a real serious talk. Oh man, you doing down there?
2: What do you got going on after this? I am taking a vacation with my wife and beautiful children and taking them up to Cheyenne, Wyoming for PBR. Okay. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Coming in August,
0: isn't it at uh, the the rodeo?
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. So really excited. Hopefully get my daughter back on some mud and busting.
1: She had her first experience. All right. How is that? I've I've thought about having my my oldest boy do that. How How old is your oldest boy? Eight. Put him on it. Worse they happen, get
2: a fat lip, get thrown in the mud, stepped on, they'll recover.
1: I think you'd like it. I've always wondered, have you ever done the, uh, what's it called, cowboy poker where you stand in a circle mm-hmm. and they let the bull go and the last person out of the circle wins? I'm not a fucking psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way.
2: Listen, <laughs> I'll tell you my bull story. We were up in San Jose training uh, training uh, their canine guys, like how to hoist and short haul yeah. uh, with their canines. And before that course, you know, we'll put dudes on the line so that they get comfortable. It's really important that as a handler, you're comfortable before you expose your dog to something, because your dog will pick up on your energy.
1: Yeah, if you're scared shitless, the dog yeah. will be too. Yeah, and you
2: want the dog to be calm and be positive for that, so that that dog can work when you get them back on the ground. So, so we're 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 doing some short haul training, which is which is kind of like military spy line. The rope comes down, two dudes can clip in. Depending on fuel, you can have a different setup where five guys clip in. Um, and there's a bunch of free range cattle out there where we're training in the middle of nowhere. So the helicopter comes down, it drops some dudes off. We're like shuttling positions. And all of a sudden there's like a bull there and he's putting his head down and, and everyone's like, is that a bull or a steer? (laughs) I look at it and like two basketballs hanging out. like, (laughs) yeah, that's a bull and get the helicopter line. I'm like, is it going to be a problem? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but just make sure you don't have to outrun the bull. You just have to outrun the other guy. He clip in and I give him the <laughs> hand signals, the head signals to take me up and I fly off. That bull was not happy. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's my women down there. Hmm? Maybe it's saying those, those are my women. Yeah.
1: It's, it's like I was going out to a ranch with, the, with this old, I can't remember what it was, a long time ago. And we were going out to feed this guy's bull on his ranch and I get in the passenger seat and I shut the door, and the whole door is like caved in. And I'm like, Oh, what happened to your door? And he's like, Oh, the, the bull happened to the door. And I'm like, And that's where we're, that's where we're going right now. It's like, Oh, great. He's like, Oh, don't worry. You'll be fine. I'm like, Oh, awesome. All right. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Be quick on your toes. Yeah. No shit. Right. I'm jumping in the back seat. Generally, they're pretty up. passive, you know,
2: but they're animals. You can never be. And c- cattle have. That'll have a lot of power to them, and they're faster than people think. People think of cows as slow. They can right. fucking move, yeah. and they can jump. I've seen a cow jump a five foot barbed wire fence. Oh. Holy shit!
0: Oh, well, I mean, you see them in a. Rodeo's. It tripped
2: and fell and rolled after. It wasn't graceful, but it got over a five foot barbed wire fence. Damn. Yeah. You see them, in, like I said in the rodeos, you see them
0: inside the pen. You know, getting ready for the cowboy to mount them, and they'll jump over the freaking rail sometimes. Yep. That's a lot of power in there.
2: Mm-hmm. What kind of horses you got? I don't own horses. You don't? No, no, just cows. Yeah, my buddies have horses. Even better. I love to ride, but I had a horse for a hot second. It's just that he turned into an asshole. I gave him away to a buddy of mine for his daughter, and they were great together. All but right. me and him just were having some communication errors. Um, but my buddy has a horse that's my horse, mm-hmm. uh, and I ride. Is a quarter horse, uh, awesome, wow. awesome boy. Yeah, I like to ride. It's been forever since I need to make some friends with some horses too. That's the way to do it. Horses, yeah. yachts, and private jets always have friends who own them. It's way better. No. It's cheaper. They're like two year olds. Forget the are. money side, less headache.
0: Yeah. Uh, I always I have two Appaloosas, and that's why I tell people they're like two year olds that are down the pounds.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? That seem, I seem managed to always do
1: the dumbest shit and get hurt.
0: Nope.
1: Yeah, it I mean. Is. Boats, yeah, man. what do they always say, like the best day of a man's life is the day he buys a boat and the day he sells it?
2: Best day of my life is when I met my wife. That's sweet. What she do? Uh, she's going through pilot school right now to be a pilot, but she was an actor. Oh. Um, she, then full-time mom, just with three kids. Um nice job. Yep, and now the kids are getting more self-sufficient, so she's in flight school learning to fly. That's awesome. It's really cool. I love. I love Does it. She want to be like a commercial pilot or more. Uh, she wants to fly for a living. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it means like airlines or,
1: you know, other
2: stuff. Oh, but
1: It's wild I airlines work. I had a buddy that is a uh, was a. Uh, he's an airline pilot for United, and he's a first officer. But he's been doing it for like twenty years. as Combat pilot, A ten pilot, and. Uh, I asked him, like, why aren't, you, uh, why aren't you a captain? You know, he just got to 787s, and he goes, well, I'm in the top 2% of seniority of first officers, so basically I work whenever I want, because they have to, like, bid for their their flights every month, Yeah, and he goes, if I moved up to captain, which I'm more than qualified to do, I'd be in, like, the 78th percentile, so I wouldn't, I'd be working holidays and stuff like that. He's like, I don't have an ego. He's like, I'd rather, you know, rather work when I want than, than be the captain. That's so. cool. Yeah. It's important in life. You got to know what you want and yeah. remove ego
2: out of it. You make better decisions that help you get further.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting job because it's all about seniority, like where you fall in the pecking order of uh, of that airline. And uh, come
2: say hi to everybody right here. Hop.
1: come climb. Up,
2: get up here. Up. <laughs> come say hi to everybody. Hey, beautiful. Uh, I would take your hearing protection off for this. Say hi, route. Say hi. No. Here daddy oh this dog is so loving and just wants to get in your pocket
1: a good dog in your pocket Either way. <laughs> she's very well behaved I mean I've, I've had dinner with her the last two nights and she's been very very good
2: I don't like bringing her into restaurants but um, okay down okay girl all legging.
0: okay hey. right here. Are using German with
2: her? Dutch. Dutch. Yeah, she's a good dog, but it's just the, the heat down here to leave her in the car kennel. Uh, even the kennels outside in the car uh-huh. and secure, but it's just too hot at oh, 100 yeah. degrees of that humidity. Uh, it's not fair to her. So she gets she gets to, to come into the restaurants and lay in the corner.
1: Be a people. You know. Dude, speaking put of, other
2: put other dogs to shame with her obedience.
1: I don't know why talking about Dutch brought it up just not you know not the Dutch, but the, you see the that we might have edited this part out, but the the, the trans woman that, that won the, the Netherlands, Netherlands, the yeah. Miss Netherlands, Miss Netherlands. I have no idea. This universe. Dude, it looks like Austin Powers. Like it's it's just it's, it's it's so bad. Yeah, I got no idea. Like you said,
0: man, where did we go wrong as a society?
2: Yeah. Uh, hear my this is my thought on it, man, and it's just my opinion, but take it as you will. It's like live your best life, be happy, do what you need to be happy. Don't force it on me. Don't force it on my kids. I'm all for individual happiness, and and like I'm open. I don't care who you want to marry. I don't care what you want to look like. What you identify as, go do it. Yeah. Live your live your life. But there's some moments where
1: you know just
2: don't force it just don't force it i don't care who what religion you are i don't care what your skin color is what your favorite music is just be nice it costs absolutely nothing to be nice and kind Mm -hmm. be tolerant let people enjoy their life that's it and uh, the world's fucking on crazy pills right now
1: dude it really is i feel bad for everyone that's you know they fought for feminism for so many years and then like they can this is what passes for feminism now and completely run doing all that shit. And it's just, it's just crazy. I don't know what people are thinking these days, but you know, like we'll you look said,
2: back, we'll look back in 30 or 40 years. If we still exist as a civilization and the aliens <laughs> don't come in and nuke us. Um, where's our tinfoil hats, by the way,
1: I don't know. We're going to need some. All right. Especially in this building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They got smart
1: and they wrapped the whole roof in
2: tinfoil so we're all safe.
1: <laughs> That's about all is between us and the outside atmosphere right now, actually.
2: I can feel in this corner.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've uh for those of y'all haven't been here, we've it's a great building, we love it, but mm-hmm. it's it was a uh, it was just a you know warehouse for years and empty. We use it for storage and completely revamped it in a shop, which is great, but That's it's actually
2: really historic. This brick is from eighteen seventy-nine right here.
1: <laughs> it is
2: well, if you, came, if you ever saw the old shop, it's a this was an old, old Greek mural that they restored from when the Greeks
1: were here. Yeah, that's yeah, something like that. You know, you actually might find this interesting. So before that was a joke, people. <laughs> before this building, before we, uh, uh, my family bought it, it was called Reed Film. And this building is where all the film for the movie theaters here came before it got distributed out to the movie theaters. I knew theater that actually when they use actual when they used old film. So when we uh, I remember when we turned the water on the, the water meter on for the first time, it had been off since like 1976, and it was I had to move it I had to take it out of the name Reed Film because we had power to the building, but the water had been shut off for like 40 years, and uh, we uh, you know we restyled all the sewer lines everything if the city of San Antonio is listening, you know all the way right to the street where the city takes over. Well, it was like that for like a year, no problems. And all of a sudden, all the, all the toilets in the building started backing up and we're like, what the fuck's going on? And so the city, we had a plumber come out and they're looking, they're sticking a camera down and they like, you know, they get out in the street somewhere and they're like, it just stops. Like, we don't know if it collapsed, what happened? And so the city comes out and they look at it and they're like, man, they're like sometime between 76 and now they just, they redid the sewer, I guess, on the street. They never reconnected it. So all our shit was just, like, dumping under the street somewhere for, like, a whole year. And there's 40 grown men working in this building. For and
0: protein diets. Yeah, on <laughs> a
1: lot of protein and a lot of C4 energy drinks and a bunch of other weird shit. And uh, so the city had to come out and, like, dig the whole road up. And we we're, were just sitting out there watching. Like, man, it's going to be a shitty job. I don't even want to know what this smells no, gonna smell like. No pun intended. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was so bad. And, and they had to reconnect everything. And I feel bad for those guys. I'm sure they've seen worse. But it I'm was – I'm sure they
2: get paid a well –
1: Plumbers get paid, paid, yeah, they get paid really, really well to deal with that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, Godspeed for them. I, you know, respect that. (laughs) So what else are we going to talk about today? I don't know, man. What do you got? What do you want to?
2: What about uh,
0: anybody else getting written off? Do we know? We can't talk about any of that shit. come Come on, just tell me then. No way. Years we'll, edit in fucking yeah, we'll edit it out. We'll edit
1: it out. They were talking yeah. about Joe wrote, you know, people not letting phones in a comedy. Y- y'all-, y'all should see the bloopers for some of these things, the things we talk about when you're not watching. It's really bad.
2: Yeah. It's- I think season seven is going to be awesome. Have you guys already started season seven? No. The- before oh, we started filming, the strike happened. Okay. The writer's strike.
1: Is it written? Is it mostly written already? Or
2: I don't know how to answer that. So I'm just not going to.
1: How, how, many, how many seasons do you think the show is going to go?
2: Only God knows. I right. hope forever. I think it's an important message, and I think the fans are passionate about it. And I think the people who make it are passionate about it, but there's so many factors involved that you never know.
0: So once you guys went to Paramount, you guys were able to use more cursing? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah network television has like blood matrixes mm-hmm. and profanity rules and...
0: And that opened it up more. Blood guys,
2: matrixes? Yeah, like you can only use like certain amount of blood on network television in certain areas. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of things loosened up when we went to Paramount. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to get a little grittier, which I enjoy. It makes it more realistic. Oh. I mean, well, you know, it's, you know it's, don't forget, you're watching. Before that, you were watching network television show. Mm-hmm. We pushed the envelope for network television. In a way that I don't think any CBS, NBC, ABC show has ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, FX, FX does pretty gritty stuff, but I don't know if they're, I think they're, I don't think they're network, are they? Is FX a network? I don't
1: I, think I, so. I don't know
2: about that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we really pushed the envelope to start, but yeah, by going to streaming, it was able to get even grittier, which mm-hmm. is
1: awesome. Is it going to be like a Delta Force spinoff one day? Like same show, less hair gel budget. <laughs> 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 what about a uh, movie? Like a
2: movie? You guys ever do like a movie? There's talks about it. Uh, you know, everybody would love to.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I think the fans would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be really cool. That would be neat. I mean, essentially, we make one-hour movies okay, every yeah, yeah. eight days, so to make a movie wouldn't be crazy difficult. So you guys do one? So one show
0: when whatever
2: comes what out on. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, generally, like, I don't know how long it takes them to write it from start to finish, but by the time we get a pre-production script, we'll have, like, sometimes just a little over 10, 12 days, sometimes 14 days to read the script, start putting it together, um, doing the pre-production, finding the locations, getting the props, getting the wardrobe, all that kind of stuff, and then usually between six and eight days to film an episode depends on the episode. Sometimes we're budgeted for eight. Sometimes we're budgeted for seven. Uh, sometimes we'll block shoot episodes. And, you know, so we're shoot like cross boarding like three episodes and shooting all three of them at the same time uh, for location availability mm-hmm. and stuff like that, uh, you know, and then a couple weeks for post production. So it, it's a grind, but you know,
0: and during all that time you gotta start learning your lines is that how it works too or do you just get the lines when you're working that day? you
2: know most most of the time like i'll read a script 20 times i i'm not looking you know i'm looking for other stuff like you know most of most of the cast will understand the story understand or an actor's processes understand the, the context of everything right because how you deliver your dialogue is just as important as the dialogue. You've got to maintain the vision and the tone that the writer set and the director wants, you know, this is, this is the writer's vision. That script is a testament to making it for the writers. The director's there to help ensure that right. Whereas movies, it's all director oriented. Um, television is very much the writer's world. So, but you gotta understand the context of, of why you're delivering it, where you're going in character, where you've been in character, um, and then apply that to the scene. So you don't shoot in order. So you might be shooting the end of an episode before you even get to the beginning of the episode.
0: Because like you said, depending on the location and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: it's all location, actor availability, location availability, actor availability, and stuff like that. So, you know, like if it was an episode where, where somebody died, right mm-hmm. in in the middle of the episode and you're shooting the end of the episode if you didn't read that and don't know that he died like and you're delivering like things in a happy, happy voice tone <laughs> like it doesn't make sense you know and this is just real basic right mm-hmm. it gets even more in depth than that but so you know we'll have we'll have the list the scene breakdown for the entire episode which is subject to change but so everyone will learn their parts and get a rough idea of it. But then the night before, you're really dialing. And, you know, everybody has a photographic memory that's good in this business. Cause and, they, do
1: you, and do you all like add a little bit? I mean, not add a little like change it up a little bit, the words and the sometimes flexions listen, a little bit. Or, like
2: I said, it's the, the show, the script is all about what the writers do. So out of respect for their hard work, you don't want to go changing it on them. Yeah. And, and you have to respect them. You know, obviously there are moments where things like when you get there and the environment and stuff like, but you communicate with the writer on set, and if they're it's, you know, and if they're okay with it and agree with it, you can do it your way.
1: So they're there watching, you know. You know, and
2: then there's sometimes you know scenes where it's fun to ad lib. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are other scenes where it's not appropriate to do it at all. Um, it, it really just depends. Sometimes the abled stick, sometimes you're reshooting that whole thing again and you've just wasted 20 minutes of people's time because one person, you know, you can't cut around it if it's, you know, on a, you
1: know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there's, there's been like YouTube videos where it's like, you see the script on one side and then you see like the actual movie mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see like just the slight variations and changes and stuff that, that, end and it, up in it the all final comes film. down to the director and the writers, yeah. you know, and, and,
2: and, and their level of comfort with that kind of stuff. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's a job and, uh, and, and a job that people are incredibly passionate about executing properly.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I would guess to like that, like the star of the show, probably, probably it's a little more leeway. I would imagine on how he wants to visualize his character. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's, it's, it's a,
2: it's a, it's a creative and some places is a collaborative process. Some places it's not um but yeah you know they all meet with the writers and like they feed off of each other and figure out where their character is where their character has been where their character is going you know like um you know if you if you're
1: number one on a call sheet you are very important to that production that's that's gonna be hard not knowing like if y'all are doing one episode at a time kind of like knowing where you're going and like that their motivation, like why they're, I mean, I would have, I mean, that's and something that's got to be communicated you got, to you, right? Yeah, like they, they tell us,
2: you know, all that stuff. So yeah. In pre-production or whatever that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. you'll know
0: it like, we're, wheels up, we're gonna be going to go to another state or another country or something uh,
1: along those y- lines. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. You know, the end game kind of like, Hey, my character is, you know, doing it's off-screen. you know, this is going to come out in an episode later on down the line, I would imagine. But like, Hey, we're, there's just other it, stuff it depends. going on Sometimes over here. actors won't be told that kind of stuff. And it's intentional.
2: Things things are deliberate. Nothing is left to chance in Hollywood. There's so much money at play that everything is done for a reason. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and people there are incredibly smart and experienced. And they know when to give you information and when not to give you information.
1: Like if I know like we're acting a scene, but later on, three episodes later, I'm going to screw you over. If I don't know that, I'm probably going to sell it better. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to hide that fact or something like that. Yeah. You know, I imagine. so. I mean, that
2: kind of stuff, they'd probably tell somebody, you know, different things. Like if someone's going to die or, you know, they, they might, they, you might know going into your contract that you're going to die in episode four, you know, but they, it, it, it's also it changes all so much. No two days are ever the same in that world, it's which be is awesome. Fun, though. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be gotta a gotta lot be, of fun. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's, it's a hard job. And it's, you know, you, you dedicate your life to it. You miss out time with your family, you lose touch with your friends outside of work. But that work, those people become your friends, those people become your family, and you're with them, and it's incredibly gratifying. It's, it's really inspirational and incredibly, incredibly gratifying. You guys are doing an outstanding job. So, well, thank that's you. Great show. Thank you. Keep watching. Go buy another. Go buy another box set at Walmart today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they still sell those. They make still like Blu-rays. I, I don't guess. know. Uh, I think Blu-ray. I own I own like a VCR Blu-ray combo for my kids because I got all the old like Disney movies like Little Mermaid and stuff. You know the the real one, um, and I think that's really. I don't think I've put a Blu-ray or a DVD in a machine mm-hmm. and.
2: It's in a
1: hallway. At least five years, yeah. It's been forever.
2: We had this whole conversation on the way home from dinner. Some of the dudes in the car last night didn't even know what Laserdisc was. Oh, yeah, I remember those.
1: Pink Floyd the Wall. <laughs> Dude, I don't think my kids, I mean, I don't think they know, like, understand what a VCR is or a cassette tape. I don't think they've ever even seen a fucking cassette tape. Um, you haven't? I, I have. No, I have. I yeah, mean, a lot of the kids. Yeah, no. my I kids old I mean, as
2: fuck. Yeah, yeah. no,
1: my, <laughs> my kids have never seen one. I remember, like, you would go to, uh, uh, you know, like you go into like IBM's building and stuff and they're like, they're using like the old 3.5 inch floppy disks yeah. or like coasters. Which were
2: always crazy
1: because those were never floppy. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah,
2: they were still. Yeah.
1: yeah I never understood why they, when you had
2: like the big ones that were actually the floppy. Five, the
1: five and a half were, yeah, you could mm-hmm. like flip them. Uh Do you remember that? So that's, that's when I, you know, we were in grade school. That's all we had were those yeah. big disks. And Oh, I was on an Apple
2: IIe. Fucking Oregon Trail. You remember yeah, that game? Yeah, 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 You got bit by a rattlesnake and died. Fucking hey, a, man! I just spent two hours getting to this point. Back to the beginning, <laughs> dude, man. It's like it's if cool. uh, if you're watching this and don't know
1: what Oregon Trail is, you're missing out in life. Need to go check it out. Do you remember watch like I think the first computer game I played was like Carmen San Diego or some shit? You, sure, know? you remember Leisure Suit Larry? I do not. No. Oh, Google, Google, you uh, old
2: school Leisure Suit Larry in the land the land of lounge lizards. I got in so much trouble. My older brother turned me on to this game. This is like back in old Apple IIe days. I think probably like 1989. Play some graphics. Let's put our headsets on, gents. I got in so much trouble for playing this game. Wait, fast forward it to the actual game.
0: There's nothing more powerful than you. No, Even that's you not sure true. What is
2: that? Oh, he just <laughs> got beaten to death in a back alley because he made a bad choice on a drug deal or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Score is 26 out of 222.
2: They come down and rebuild them down the garbage chute. <laughs> what the? This looks awesome.
0: Don't be your worthless
2: wife. <laughs> and then there you come out of the conveyor belt.
1: Commander Kevin. Screws his head on. Yep. It's like the first Grand Theft Auto. Okay, here we go. You walk back into the lounge.
2: You got to make choices, right? Do I beat this sucker to death? Call taxi. Taxi shows <laughs> up. Get in. You're, yeah, it re- you really is cutting edge for back in the day.
1: You got to read fast on this one. The floor is sticky. What the fuck?
2: Like, you could die of AIDS in this video game.
1: That'll be fourteen dollars.
2: <laughs> so, like, you give a tip, and then the dude will give you advice on.
1: My kids would play this and not even know what the fuck a taxi is. Uh oh, he made a
2: bad choice. He's going in the casino.
1: Feel like I wearing a barrel.
2: He's handing out those. Uh, say yes. Bags. Say yes. <laughs>
1: <Dollar>. <laughs> Buy apple. Why is he buying an apple?
0: So if I don't see this at Shot Show this year, I'll be really angry.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, this was this. Th- This is pretty PG right here, but like you'd die for crazy stuff. You'd get you'd have to make all these choices on what you do and uh oh, he's about to get married in
1: there. To a hooker probably. Stripper. Twenty
0: one bucks to get married.
2: Yeah. Anyway, that game was awesome. You guys should zoom out and uh
1: over a one billion serve, that's a lot of weddings. (laughs) <laughs> dude, I'm totally gonna find that game. <laughs> wow! Was this like a computer game, or was it like yeah, it was a computer game. It was before there were, there were consoles. <sighs> See, I'm not old enough to ever had an Atari, but I had like one of the like the old NES Nintendo. Remember playing like uh, with a Super Mario Brothers. That was a great game. Track game. Yeah, Track game. dude, they had some great stuff. There reminds me. Ever seen that movie Ready Player One? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It was so a good when, movie. When you
0: travel around the U.S., are you a driver or you like to fly?
2: It depends where I'm going, what I'm doing, how long I'm going to be there for, mm-hmm. what I got to bring with me. You know, sometimes it's easy to ship everything and just fly. Other times, it's easier just load up in the car and go. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you prefer one or the other? No, indifferent. You know, I, I always prefer to have my vehicle with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I was worth. 700 billion dollars I would buy like an old C-130 or something and drive my vehicle up into it and transport it with everything (laughs) Um, and maybe a C-17 or Mm -hmm. something bigger. Um, With air conditioning? I still have my (laughs) headphones on yeah you know, roll up like an Airstream is my, is my lounge where I live in and put my car and all my belongings
1: and just travel from state to state. Have you, have you ever seen how they transport like the Secretary of State or some yep. stuff on a C, It literally isn't an old Airstream. Yeah. They've replaced them since like yeah. the eighties. Yeah. It's so crazy.
2: They've got their little cabins in for the mm. C-5s mm-hmm. for all the uh, high level
1: generals and stuff. It's crazy. Like still silver, like the old silver ones. I saw, I was reading an article and uh, they're like, hate, they're about replace to replace break them. it to you, but the new ones are still shiny silver. Yeah. Dude. Mm-hmm. If I was going to buy, buy, buy an RV, I'd probably buy an Airstream. That'd be pretty neat. They are cool. Toe with one of those old those old VW buses. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not a hippie, but would be okay. kind of cool. It's okay.
2: You're wearing Birkenstocks. I'm going to call you a hippie, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lynn's out there calling bullshit. She's like, ah, I've been trying to get him to wear Birkenstocks for years, and he's not going to do it. Listen,
2: I'm sorry that I said no to playing hacky sack with you earlier.
0: It's not because I don't
2: like you; it's just that I hate hacky sack. Do you want a hacky? Sure.
1: Dude, that's so bad. So grade school. And please,
2: next time I come, don't wear petroleum oil. I'm actually allergic to it. You know you love it. It's really hard. My eyes have been watering this whole time.
1: <laughs> I'm just making you cry, my manly musk, Petrulli oil. <laughs>
2: What are you, from Vermont or something? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not everyone. Only most people from Vermont wear oil. Do
1: they really? I don't think I've ever been to Vermont. It's beautiful.
2: This country is so beautiful, man. It's so diverse the entire... Day.
0: So, uh, Justin, where uh, where can they find you out on social media, man?
2: Justin Melnick.
0: And you guys, uh, Navy SEALs has their own, too?
2: Uh, SEAL, team, SEAL Team has... I think it's, uh, like, Seal Team Paramount Plus or something like that. Um, and then Pepper's got hers, which is Pepper the Dutchie, even though she's a Belgian Malinois.
1: She, she speaks Dutch, plus no. She enough.
2: identifies as a Dutchie. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm Belgian, as my family's from, so I've never been, want to go.
2: I hear the beer's good.
1: Oh, yeah. Beer's excellent. I remember my uh, – we used to have family in Belgium. My cousin went to go visit him, and – we, you know, as a family, we we all pretty good, pretty professional drinkers. You know, we can hold our own. And he, he said he landed and they stopped at four bars between the airport and my cousin's house. You know, like say cousin, you know, they're in their 60s at the time and was just trashed. Like by the time they get to the house, he had like eight, you know, full power Belgian beers and was just drunk as shit by the time he even got to their house. And they were fine. You know, this they did this every day, you know, drive home and stop at three different bars and it's just. You know, the, the European way, which is awesome. You know, I love Europe, but uh, it's different different way of life, you know.
2: You can eat anything in Europe and not gain weight. Really? Like bread, pasta. You go to Italy and all that stuff. I eat bread or pasta here in America, and I'm like gas acts.
1: Tums, yeah. Tums,
2: everything. I eat, if I eat too much bread, like my face melts off um legitimately like it's bad you go to europe you can eat all the, the grain is just so everything's so genetically modified over here right
1: now yeah everything i mean like i know when i've seen people come here from europe or we you know go visit other countries and they're like y'all y'all can buy bread and it stays good for a week <laughs> you know, like there they have to buy bread they have to go to the baker every day and buy new bread and you know and like here like i've been out of town for like three days hanging out with him and i go home and everything's probably you know i've got bread on my counter it's probably fine you know And it was there for a week before that yep. i'm not gonna eat it now but
0: I little living in Germany as a kid when my dad was stationed there. My parents would give me a couple of marks to go down to the bakery, which is like in the middle of the town. And being like seven, eight years old, walking in a foreign country, you know, nothing you know, nothing about it because kids walk around everywhere. Yeah. And when to go buy broachins for my parents for uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and stuff
1: like that. dude food over there is so good. Mm hmm. Well, gents, this has been
2: fun, but it's five o'clock and I've got 19 hours and 20 minutes of driving to go do. Do not actually do. technically 23 hours of driving. Cause this is to my office where I got to drop off all the gear.
1: Dude, we had a great time, man. We appreciate you coming down. Thanks, dude. I always love coming to six hour. I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> I people, do love six hour too though. People are going to be so confused cause this is a new podcast. Like what the fuck they're watching. Like, you know. <laughs> You got to really? keep them on their toes. They're like, who the fuck's this guy? And they've mentioned like 18 gun brands. We don't know what's going on. You can keep the high point commercial. The rest I'd lose. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Six hours are so big. They might pay us. Well, hey, guys, we appreciate it. This is a Sons of Liberty podcast. Uh, you can check us out on all major platforms. And uh, we're going to be trying to put one out in a couple of weeks. And we thank Justin for being here and uh, Patrick from taking a break, building guns come up and uh, you know check the certificates on your guns might be made by this man right here we're going to make him famous so y'all have a good good night have a good night thanks for joining us today right here at the liberty tree studio but be sure to visit us at solgw.com
0: for hard use blasters badass swag and much much more